sold my soul to the bottle Still none of my friends have left me yet I'm the same man I was since the age of 13 And I've lived my life with no regrets If you're looking for some freedom host of 10 drink minimum let's turn this mic thing up here uh it's the last party of the weekend i think i just turned it up too much let me get everybody back here in the studio and unmuted we have holly Ann is here hello yeah we have ray in the house Hello, I'm glad to be back. This week seemed to just fly by, but yeah. we're here again. You, Ray, you look like you're about to go wrestling. Like, you're about to go out, out in the ring. Ah, yeah. You do. Uh, and then <laughs> fresh off his cooking stint from his kitchen last night, we have James Smiley in the house. Hey, what's up? And this week on 10 Drink Minimum, uh, from the new podcast, uh, how do you say it? Aviate New Mexico? Is that right? Yeah, it's Aviate New Mexico. We have uh, veteran aviator Will Fitzpatrick with us. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. And he actually uh, sent me pictures this morning of his balloon flight, right? Or sent me this afternoon of his morning balloon flight. Is that right? Will? No? Yeah? Yeah, it was was this morning. (laughs) Will's like, I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) So, so, Will, um, I, 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 would, I was curious how that works for being able to fly balloons this uh, this late in the season. I would have thought that, uh, you know, the heat would be such like a major factor in that. Uh, can you elaborate, like, how that works for summertime flying? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, so um, I think that's a big misconception with balloons is it's only when it's cold. They're more efficient when it's cold. Um, so everything is uh, about that, like, temperature difference inside the envelope. But like our max temperature on most of the balloons, uh, the never exceed temperature is uh, 250 degrees. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it was you, that hot outside today. It was 250, right? Yeah, it was just short of that, like 2250, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> it was like 7,000 degrees today. Gross. So we got up at like 5:45, and we launched literally at dawn when sun up was was going on, and it was still like 78 degrees outside. So it was pretty mm-hmm. obnoxious. Yeah. But um. You know, the other thing is like how heavy you load the basket and how much uh, weight you have in the balloon is how much buoyancy you're going to have to create. So the hotter you're going to have to get uh, the envelope itself. But like today, we we're still at like 198 as a internal temperature of the envelope. So we still had plenty of maneuvering uh, space, plenty of ability to climb. Um, so yeah, we I, I've instructed, I've I've flown rides before, and and we fly all through the summer. Uh, I also fly competition ballooning which is a lot more aggressive flying mm-hmm. uh, and we're competing next sunday so we we compete all year round how, how does good. how does competition ballooning work so um there's there's different tasks so you'll have like an event director and he calls the task in the morning briefing before you go fly mm-hmm. and usually you have to launch a thousand meters from the target uh targets can be a, a multitude of different things so like 
you, you guys have seen the X's they put on the ground, and then they'll have a baggie. Mm -hmm. I just so happen to have a baggie right okay. here. Okay. Yeah. So, like, we'll take the baggie and we'll throw it. And it's weighted a little bit, but it's got this big old tail, so it streamers out. Um, and you try to get as close to the middle of the X as possible. And then you have a team of, of scoring officials and, and a measuring team, and they measure you. And there's um, an algorithm that they put you in to, and, and they score you. So, you know, like last year, I flew Rio Grande Classic, which is the state championship that Top Gun puts on. Um, and one day, only one day out of the three days, I got closest to the X, and I got a thousand points from it. Wow! Uh, sounds it sounds like Pilot Wings for the Nintendo sixty four. Yeah, it's super <laughs> super fun. Um, but then, like, we also use GPS loggers, so like they'll call three dimensional boxes in the sky that you got to fly through. Oh wow! And you'll have to like, hit a, a certain point, or you have to hit a midpoint, and then they'll do like the longest track. So uh, we called one of those tasks uh, last month. And you had to enter a box that was on a grid. And so, so you had to cross either the south and then all the way to the north by crossing the midpoint. Or you had to cross east to west by crossing the midpoint. And whoever had the longest track by the, the GPS logger um, got the highest score. Oh, wow. So somebody had like a 2,200 meter track or something like that. And they got the top score. I remember that level in, in Star Fox. Right. That was pretty cool. Do a barrel roll. <laughs> I don't want to do a barrel roll than a balloon. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so you fly you fly balloons. What else do you fly? Uh, so I, I fly airplanes and I fly gliders. Gli okay. I was out at the, the, the crest last weekend, mm -hmm. and I didn't know that people were still – like I didn't know that was the thing still – and there was lots of people. There was like two. There was two. Two guys like lots of people. There's two flying gliders. Now I always thought that the glider, like you know, because of like pilot wings, like you right. jumped off of something and it like slowly descended. But they were up way higher than the crest. So like, um, so those are hang gliders. Yeah. Um, but I, I fly gliders that look like an airplane. Oh, without. okay. Oh, all right. You don't do but hang it's gliders. The same, it's the same exact concept. Okay. So like you'll get. Uh, Either off the mountain, you'll get what's called oreographic lift. So winds will hit the mountain and like kind of jet up. Okay. And so they'll ride that pocket of um, pretty much air coming off of the mountain and, and it lifts them up. And they ride that current just like a wave. And we call it a mountain wave, actually, when it comes over the mountain like that. And there's times like earlier this week, I caught a mountain wave coming back from Española flying in the airplane. And like I was sitting with my instructor, and I'm like, yeah, dude, we're climbing at a thousand foot plus per minute, and I'm not putting any inputs. We're just riding that pocket of air coming up. Yeah. Or you get wow. convection. Yeah. Convection's the other one when the sun heats up uh, the ground unevenly. And like you've all seen dust devils and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's just, that's just convection. That's just heat rising and starting to spin. So uh, we'll ride that. And you'll feel it in like the glider when you're, when you're flying, it'll mm -hmm. tip a wing. And then you'll like bank into it and then ride it just like hawks do. You'll see hawks circling. Mm -hmm. All they're doing is they're conserving energy because they're riding convective currents and they're they're gaining altitude. Wow. So we well, do. I'm, I'm glad to know that they're not caused by angry Tasmanian devils. Right. Right. Yeah. Also me. I'm relieved. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so for me, it's like, like, you know, thank you for not like calling me stupid for thinking you were hang gliding and not on a glider. But like when you're in a glider, you, you're pretty much once you take off, you're just there's no motor there's no nothing you just kind of you, you are like 
at the mercy of like the winds and you know the currents like the convection currents like you said yeah so how scary is that like at any point you just go oh wait you know this you know i have to land and i'm not close to home you know you land out you land in a field you find a field to land in uh uh, and it's it was always scary for me when i was so i started flying gliders when i was 15 years old oh wow Uh, and i soloed when i was 15 years old so uh somebody crazy enough was like, hey, this 15-year-old's good enough to fly all by himself. Let's sign him off to go fly. <laughs> wow. Let's put thou- that- like thousands of dollars worth of equipment in the hands right? of a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> Which is even funnier because, like, so Chris and Holly know me pretty well, yeah. and I know both of them are going, uh, really? That, that was probably a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't have thought they would. I mean, that, yeah. there'd be a law against it, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, I got signed off when I was 15. I, I went for two weeks down in Hobbs, New Mexico, we went to this kind of a, a academy. Oh, sorry. And um, we were towed behind it. So how we got in the air was we actually got towed behind another airplane. So there was like this 200-foot um, tow rope attached to like a Cessna. Mm-hmm. And then it attached to us. And we had like this hook that we could unlatch. And we're flying formation with this other airplane taking off uh, and towing us to a 1,000 foot above the ground. And then we detach. And then we try to find either convective currents or we'd land. And oh, wow. we did that all day. That sounds wow. pretty cool. So, That's so crazy. You, you've been, uh, you know, flying and, and, and learning since you were 15. What are some of the big advancements in the last uh, five to 10 years that have uh, really made uh, what you do either a lot easier or um, have really helped you, uh, you know, accomplish? Because I know that safety obviously is like a big thing for you, but being able to, uh, to better predict weather patterns, being able to better predict, you know, like what you're going to be doing and track where you're at, you know, what's some of the big things that really helped you out specifically? Uh, the internet. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually a really good question, especially when I'm flying airplanes. Um, there's some technology that's come out, some apps that are on the iPad, um, that I, I can start flight planning with. I get my briefings through, I can, file a flight plan with the FAA. It's got a moving map with GPS and the internal GPS is there. So I'm actually following a GPS line when, um, like I flew to Espanola the other day, but I had to have a bunch of different waypoints. So I was literally following the lines that I put on this moving map mm-hmm. and it tracked my airplane real time flying those lines to make sure I was flying the right degrees. Mm-hmm. So, um, Programs like that, and there's a bunch of them out there. They can be on your phone. They can be on your iPad. Um, that's been really good for me, especially also learning because it tracks my altitude and my new my maneuvers. So my instructor will be like, hey, dude, you, you kind of screwed up on this one. And let's go back to the flight log and you can see where you screwed up. Or, hey, you, you really nailed it on this one. You know, you're supposed to be plus or minus 100 feet in this 360 turn, and you only, like, we're off 50 feet, plus or minus 50 feet. So it's it's a huge tool to be able to go back and review and see your entire flight uh, because the worst place to learn is in the cockpit. Like mm-hmm. somebody's trying to tell you what's going on when you're trying to manipulate an airplane and it's all overwhelming. Um, mm-hmm. You're just like, whoa, uh, yeah, whatever you just told me, I have no clue what you just told me. Right. I, I <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the technology is amazing. The avionics and how we... Like airplanes haven't changed since the fifties or sixties, mm-hmm. right? Um, not not in small general aviation, 
but uh, the avionics has changed. And even here's the funny thing: like the balloons that we fly, everybody flies with a phone, and they track all their stuff on a phone now. So, wow. Yeah, the the applications are really cool. That's a great question, Daniel. Yeah. So we've noticed certain things, at least like in New Mexico. Uh, well, hold on. Before before you say it, uh, someone from the chat. This is for the audio podcast, people. Oh, someone from whoops, the chat said, uh, I wonder if climate change has caused significant changes in wind, et cetera, in flying balloons or gliders. That That's for the people on the audio portion. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, I'm getting used to this. Uh, so, yeah, there, there has been some changes, but I, I don't think it's as significant as people think it is. Uh, the weather's – so I love, like, living in Albuquerque, and we all complain every April because of snows in April, as if yeah. it's not expected. <laughs> and then you look back, and I was like – and I looked at my Facebook, and I was like, oh, I complained about this for the last five years straight. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, and everybody always goes freak snowstorm, and you're like, no, no, it's yet. really not freak. <laughs> no, I like right now. I, I hate it because I'm melting, but like we've had 103, 104 degree oh, yeah. weather before. Uh, the wind currents really aren't changed too much in Albuquerque. Now, what we have noticed is, like, balloon fiesta is in October, we get this really beautiful box because we're in a mountain valley with the river coming through. And that's how like, when the balloons take off, they fly to the south when they're down low and they gain some altitude and then they go back north and they just do this cool box all the way around and they can do multiple passes at the field. Um, the only thing that I've seen like in the last five years when flying Fiesta was like, the box did this weird east-west thing instead of the north-south thing. And we're just like, this is so abnormal. And it happened only two days, I think, like, two years ago. And, like, every pilot was just like, this is this is not normal. This, this is freaky because um, we weren't used to it. Uh, but, you know, winds in Albuquerque are pretty predict predictable, uh, depending on the time of year. If you fly year-round, like we knew today, we were just – gonna beeline straight to the south and pass the airport type of thing and uh, it it and that's actually really important when you're planning flights to know where you're gonna go yeah how uh, uh so so that's pretty much why albuquerque's kind of like the 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 balloonist destination is that box correct yeah um you know both competing and flying it, Albuquerque flying is different than any place else that you're going to find across the United States and even maybe in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's really special. Um, and you, you really don't find things like that. Most people like in the Midwest, when they fly, they take off, they go straight line and they land. Mm -hmm. There's no variability. They, they don't get to make right hand turns or left hand turns or do a full 180. There's times here that like I can get a range of going 360 degrees just by what altitude I am and what the different layers are. So it's, it's really a fun experience. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Not if you go oh, at five year, in the morning. What year was it oh. that you started getting into aviation, Will? Okay, so that's a loaded question. My dad's a pilot. Oh, um, okay. And, and, yeah, um, and we should probably throw out there that you did go to Embry-Riddle University, which is, I, an I which is an aeronautical university for people that yeah. don't know. 
Number one aeronautical university. One, yeah. too. <laughs> which one? It's which, the aeronautical well, university. Did you go to the one in, in Florida or the one in uh, Arizona? So actually, there's worldwide campuses. So uh, I went to the Albuquerque campus. Oh, there is wow. an Albuquerque campus. Um, and that was that was cool because it was a blended learning. We had oh. classes that were in person and then we did a lot of online stuff. But like, I'm pretty sure the flight physiology department chair for all of Embry-Riddle is he lives here in Albuquerque, like just oh. crazy talented people who who are here in Albuquerque. Oh, people, are, t- people are, are making boasts about you on the in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> so what I was what I was working towards, Will, is. Um, I would like to know, um, since you, it, obviously you've been involved in aviation since your whole life, it seems like. Right. Uh, I wanted to narrow in on 9-11. Um, okay. There was a lot that changed in commercial flights and how we travel um, like as passengers. Mm-hmm. Um, but how did things change in your field? Or I guess maybe even before you were like really like heavy into things, what are the big changes that you saw around that time uh, were in how you guys were working? Yeah, so um, interestingly enough, Things really haven't changed on the general aviation side, yeah. Uh, except for, so that used to be all governed by the Federal Aviation Administration, the FAA. Now mm-hmm. security is governed by the TSA. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, the TSA regulations carry over, and mm-hmm. um, but but the cool thing about like the general aviation, which is the biggest misnomer in the world, I say GA or general aviation. People are like, well, what's what's that? Mm-hmm. That's like everything but military aircraft or commercial scheduled carriers like Southwest, mm-hmm. Delta, and stuff like that. Everything yeah. else, like the police helicopter or like the Cessna 172 that a kid is renting to learn how to fly, to air ambulance, all of those are general aviation. Like the cool thing about general aviation is I go to the airport, I can usually drive my car onto the airport, I grab my bag, I throw it in the airplane, I taxi the airplane out, and I go flying. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a lot more convenient. I don't got to deal with, um, you know, dealing with crowds at an airport. I don't have to deal with the TSA screening. I don't got to do any right. of that. Um, and this was like a very 1950s concept that never really took hold in, in the most part of America. But like if you asked anybody in aviation in 1950s, they thought everybody was going to have an airplane. And if you want to see grandma, you were going to get in your airplane and you were going to fly to grandma yeah. instead of the road trip. And that transportation car culture kind of took over in a lot of ways. But there, there's still that option there and there's still that infrastructure that you could yeah. get an airplane, not that expensive, own it and then go see grandma in the next state over. Well, and then a lot of a lot, people don't know a lot of like those small airports have loaner vehicles for you when you land. Yeah, yeah. The uh, really? courtesy cars. Courtesy cars. Yeah. That's so cool. So you can like you know you can fly to you know Roswell or Clovis for the day and you know they'll loan you. I'm sure it's not they're not always nice cars, but they have a vehicle <laughs> that you know you can grab and you know drive you know where you need to go and do business and then That's come back. That's awesome. And, yeah, and I, I know a lot of people like when they fly in the backcountry or other places like that, they have the Una uh, like motorized Una skateboards, the Una wheels. They'll like use those or they'll have small electric bikes that they can compact fold and put them in the back of the airplane. So they'll just bust those out and take the electric bike into town. Yeah, that's that's relatively new then. (laughs) 
yeah it's pretty <laughs> fun yeah that's cool that's really cool so how accurate is uh microsoft flight simulator 2020 <laughs> Ooh, good question, Chris. No, so I, I haven't played it yet, but I, I looked at a lot of how they have generated their flight physics, which, you know, I, I grew up flying the old flight sims. Uh, the flight physics look phenomenal uh, because there's so many points on the airfoil and they're using. So we're, you're going back to my Embry-Riddle days when I had to take aerodynamics. Um they actually did the mathematics on the wing on how it would respond in those environments. And they had, if the wind was going over your wing or if you had a, a wind from behind you, how that would affect it. 2020 looks amazing. Um, and the graphics alone just makes me drool. Well, I was, so the reason why I, I threw that question out there, not just to be like silly and funny is like when I used to travel, I used to, I used to travel around and do warranty work for uh, like Dell and Sony and IBM and all those companies. And, you know, you would see these big gaming machines, you know, and usually it was some, some 30-year-old that lived with his parents. They would have them. But randomly, I went to this guy's house, and, I mean, he was in his, like, early 70s. And he had this amazing, like, gaming setup, and then he had the, uh, the, um, the flight stick and, mm-hmm. and the foot pedals and everything. And what it, the reason why is, is, you know, after a certain age, they won't let you fly anymore, correct? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And so they had grounded him. He was a commercial pilot and they had grounded him. And so he wanted to fly again. So he bought all that setup and he had he had one of the most elaborate setups I've seen a gamer have. And it was so he could fly planes again. And you know, you know, the he, cool thing about that is yeah. there's so many marketed things that um, like I, I don't I can't consider it a game. Yeah. It, it's like a full sim. Like they got switches, and they have now yeah. full display screens that look exactly like yep. what you're gonna have in the airplane. It's it's amazing, and both for fun to yeah. do it, but also for training. Right, an amazing technology. He was the, the one he was showing me. Like it was a you know he was flying a 747, and he was like, yeah, if I go fast, if I go too fast, and I turn too sharp, it'll rip the wheel apart. Yep. In the game. And I was like, holy shit, really? And he's like, and that's how that's what really happens. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. It's not like the Ace Combat 5 where you have 5 billion missiles and no, you're just huh? like, yes, yes. <laughs> Which is more my speed, man. More my speed. You know, we had back in my day, we had Afterburner, man. You were like, you could get in it and the whole thing would move and then you could flip, you know, do spins. <laughs> Top Gun, man. Right. Right. But, talk to me, Goose. Talk to me, Goose. There you go. Are you excited about the new <laughs> Top Gun? So that movie I grew up on. Yeah. So you know when <laughs> when that trailer came out, I, I almost was emotional. I'm like, oh my goodness! I hope they don't screw it up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I'm kind of excited just because. Yeah. Let, let's be totally honest. The the acting was horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. Horrible. Uh, but I don't think anybody watched it for the acting. Everybody was like, I want to see airplanes do cool stuff. Right. I was obsessed with that soundtrack as a child. Oh, Highway to the Danger Zone, man. Yeah, I would just walk around with my Care Bears cassette player. It was it was Top Gun, and then it was Iron Eagle one, two, and three. Horrible, horrible, but great, <laughs> but great when you were a kid, you know. Yes, you were gonna say something, Ray. I'm sorry, I cut you off. I think. Oh no. Um. So this is uh, you know, good and away from Top Gun, but um, you were talking about <laughs> you're talking about GA, and it's something that's been uh, on on my mind a lot. Uh, everybody that may just own a uh, an airplane or just anything that can take off glider, balloon, 
what prevents them from interfering with scheduled flights or commercial airlines? Like, how do you communicate from a balloon to like these flights or how do you keep from interfering with other uh, things or police helicopters, things like that? Radio. Yeah. <laughs> Radio is even inside the balloon too. I mean, that's. Yeah. Um, so everybody thinks of property as like, I own everything above me and I own everything below me and I own my house. Um, sorry to say it. You don't. Uh, the airspace above you is controlled by the FAA. It's controlled by the mm -hmm. feds and there's maps that they overlay and there's certain airspaces and there's certain rules with each one of those airspaces. Um, from the pretty much not controlled at all, the class uh, G airspace, all the way to what we'd call class Bravo airspace around the big airports um, where you need to actually have permission to even fly within that 20 miles uh, of the airport. Um, Albuquerque is class Charlie airspace. So you just need to communicate with them. And as long as they acknowledge your tail number, you're free to fly through that airspace and it's three dimensional. It's, it's so many miles out from the airport itself and it, it goes to a certain altitudes and some of those altitudes look like upside, upside down wedding cakes, depending on how much they want to control it. Um, but you have to do what the controller says when you're in those certain environments and then above 18,000 foot, Everybody's flying what's called IFR, which is an instrument flight plan. Um, and you have to have an instrument flight rating and you're talking to controllers and you cannot deviate from what the, the you have to ask permission from the controller to deviate. So if you're sure. getting bounced around in turbulence, you got to be like, hey, can we request a lower altitude? And the controller is like, uh, no, not right now. Or yes. And they want to comply to help you out. Right. But. They're controlling all that airspace. They don't want people right. crashing into each other. Um, so I have a question about airspace. So obviously we have a military base here in Albuquerque. We have mm -hmm. um, some other places. So I assume that if you're flying near the military base, it's a little stricter. Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, yeah, I played enough Grand Theft Auto to know what will happen if you fly over that. <laughs> Immediately well, five I've never stars. played Grand Theft yeah. Auto, so. <laughs> um, yes and no. Uh, so the base itself, like just flying over it, not a big deal. Uh, oh. now it's controlled. It's usually class C airspace. So you got to talk to their controller and they're, they'll be like, yeah, you can overfly the field or you, you take, go this vector and co go around the base. Not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, but landing what about area 51, <laughs> Holly, weren't you supposed to rush that last summer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. I mean, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no, I was not going to rush Area 51. My dad's worked for the Air Force for <laughs> so long. My dad told me that Area 51 is actually kind of boring. Uh, so it. I wasn't about to rush it. Yeah, we we fly all around here. Um, the Air Force bases here are really good. Uh, actually, it's not really the bases themselves. You can't land at them. Obviously, that's that's a no-no. <laughs> no. You need I would hope to do it. Um, but we have a lot of what's called military operating areas around here where they do training. Uh, and if I'm flying visually without instruments, I can fly through those. I wouldn't suggest it just because <laughs> there's airplanes doing like 500 miles an hour and they're, right. they're doing things. So flying uh, from here to Melrose. Oh, so I, I'm also an air national guardsman. I worked on F 16s for 10 years 
and they would call 10 minutes out from Elephant Butte. And they were slowing wow. down yeah. intensely from yeah. Elephant Butte. They're like, yeah, we're, we're 10 out. We're going to be landing at Kirtland. Wow. So, wow. How do, you, uh, how do you feel about drone flight? Mm. <sighs> oh, oh, um, I, was, I always wonder how that goes over in the aviation community because it's kind of a hobbyist thing. For the most it, part, it, it isn't, and that's well, it isn't, thing. it isn't, yeah. Um, the hobbyists actually really kind of scare me because okay, who has opened a present on Christmas and threw the instructions right out the window? Me, Every time. yeah. Um, <laughs> so you know, all these rules we're talking about of flying in airspace and different yeah. things like that, they're like, I don't need that, yeah, and then they're mm-hmm. like, let's see how high it can go. Mm-hmm. And some of them can go super high, but it won't let yes. you. It won't let you though. If if it is fenced and it has a, that technology, you're correct. Um, and that's that's been some of the mitigating stuff they've been doing over yeah. the last couple of years, because it used to be right. You could do whatever you wanted. I, I watched a friend of mine. He luckily had a uh, a waiver from the FAA, but he's like, "Hey, we're operating in the area that I'm on a waiver." Uh, let's see how high I can go, how fast I can go. Mm-hmm. And he went from like zero to 4,000 feet in less than two minutes. Oh, yeah. And when it wow. passed 1,200 foot, it was an octocopter. Yeah. It was amazing. And it carries those big, like 20 pound gimbal camera, yeah. 4K stuff. That's how I film with movies now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what he does professionally. He films mm-hmm. movies. But like past 1,000 foot, I'm just like, yeah, you can't see it. Yeah. I don't see it. Wow. Well, I, I have so I have a DJI Mavic Mini. Okay. And the Mavic Mini, the reason why I, I specifically say what it is, the Mavic Mini was made at a certain weight. It's yep. 249 grams. Because at 250 grams, then you have to register it with the FAA. And in some states and in Canada, you have to actually go and take a course to fly it. Yep. So wow. when, I, when I go out to fly it, like if I'm in the city – uh, the flight, the flight, uh, the height, the maximum height is 400 feet. Yep. And if I'm close to like, uh, is it Presbyterian? Like they have a helicopter. Yes, they do. And so it tells you, like it yes. says, you're very close to Presbyterian Hospital. There's a helicopter pad there. Um, it'll say like, it'll talk about the base. It'll talk about the airport. And in mm-hmm. some situations when I go to fly it, like it'll pop up on the screen and you were in, you can't really do it. You can't see or do anything unless you agree to. It'll tell you like all the restrictions, and then sometimes I have to put my phone number in. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, uh, it, you know, I'm sure there's been situations where people fuck shit up. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I have another like question about drones that sure. is kind of in the same realm, but I don't know if this is like out of your depth. But I had a friend of mine whose neighbor got a drone. And started flying over her yard while she was like tanning and stuff. Ill- illegal. Ooh, is there any rules for yes. like yes. invading people's personal space? Yeah. So it's. I'm, I'm going to take off the Aviate New Mexico hat real quick and put on my <laughs> job. Because uh, like the Aviate New Mexico, I, w- I want to promote New Mexico aviation. But my official job, I'm actually the Aviation Safety and Education Administrator for the state of New Mexico. Um, and so we're actually working on legislation right now to talk about things like privacy and, and we're looking at the privacy laws that are already there. Um, we're talking about how we make it a safe environment for New Mexicans and we don't 
we don't trample on anybody's rights, but we also protect other people just right. for like, circumstances like that. And the representative who's working on that is incredibly proactive, especially about the privacy issue. Um, she's a fellow pilot. I absolutely love and adore her. Um, and it's, it's nice to work with somebody who understands the environment, but also understands, uh, you know, like what needs to happen uh, because drone technology just went crazy cra and we're so fast. And then insane. we're, we're like, well, what, what rules do we make? We, yeah. we don't know yet. Yeah. So well, we're, we're playing catch up a lot. Um, we also don't want to just throw rules out there and then have unintended consequences. Right. So they're, they're right. actually working on those things right now. Well, the, the one I, okay. so, so when I got mine, I, you know, I wanted to see what the rules were out there and the number one. And like, I was like, what are the, you know, what are the drone rules in New Mexico? And it was like, don't fly over 400 feet in a city. Um, yep. You can't fly near airports or where, you know, other aircraft takes off. And then, the, then the, the, the big one was you can, you know, like, okay. So if I'm flying um, in a neighborhood, like say I'm flying down a neighborhood, right? And someone's like, like I'm right in the middle of the street and I'm flying down a neighborhood and someone's like, ah, you filmed my house. I don't want my house in your, in your drone shot. That's tough shit. But if I'm spying on them, that's illegal. Right. That's it. Like the difference between like Google doing their street view. Right. Mm -hmm. And Google just parking in your driveway, trying to look through your window. Right. Right. So, exactly. It's like, there's been like, uh, you know, the big, the big like guinea pig for all the drone stuff is on is New York. Cause people fly fucking <laughs> drones in New York, like crazy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's people like, you know, that film like I watch YouTubers and they film like in the streets like just walking around with you know and there's people that are like hey you can't film me and they called the police the police came over and they were like you know in, in a public place they can film with a handheld camera all they want and you know you go into Target you're getting filmed like right. you're, you're getting filmed everywhere <laughs> yeah. are, so. so I mean it, you know but if you're like literally like filming someone and yeah. pointing, you know, they can do some shit about it. It's, you know, there's definitely stalking or, you know, voyeur. Right. Yeah. But I mean, this guy just seems like a weirdo voyeur yeah. weirdo. But but I'll <laughs> tell I'll tell Will out there though that it's really not that easy to find like so then like there's I guess a rule where you're not allowed to fly over cars. Nope. Yep, you're correct. And you know, I didn't know that, and then and someone pointed it out to me. But I, I, when I went pulled up the drone rules, I didn't see it anywhere. I was not in the you know the stuff I pulled up. You know, part one hundred of the Federal Aviation Regulations. Okay, we don't have to lawyer. <laughs> He's just quoting. Wow, Will really knows his stuff. Yeah. You went, you went to my job. job. I'm, I'm actually like one of the UAS experts yeah. in the state. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> we did a research project just on that, and we're like, well, how does this apply? Like, yeah. how do we enforce things? Because you know, I, I love the fact that they're like, well, the cops know. They don't. <laughs> they're like, well, what are we going to do? Um, tell them, don't do that. They call people like you to tell them what they're supposed to do. And, and I've gotten phone calls before, and they're like, well, can you come out here? I'm like, you're in Hobbs, New Mexico, and I'm in Albuquerque. What do you, what do you, Hell they're going to be gone by the time I get there. <laughs> yeah. Let me fly my drone out real quick. Right. <laughs> But, so do you think eventually you're going to have training for police departments on how to handle drone regulation and stuff, just because it is becoming very popular. And I, I assume that, you know, you need I, to know. I think if the state rolls out legislation, um, 
that like the local police can enforce and things like that. And we give them the tools. Uh, but you know, some of them, it, it also might come down to the education. Like Holly, you pointed out, privacy laws is a privacy law. If you're using a handheld camera or if you're using a drone or, or whatever, the privacy law still is there. Yeah. Um, right. But educating people on, you know, the, the difference between using a DSLR and using something that hovers 20 feet in the air, right. it's the same thing. Same thing. Um, so right. yeah, I, th I think that's the biggest thing across the board is the education of both maybe the law enforcement side, but I, I think even bigger is educate the general public and educate the people who are using the things right. because they don't know what they don't know. Well, and, and I That's think a lot, a lot of what the public doesn't understand either is they think it's hard to do. Like, it's hard to fly a drone. It's not. Like, the, the, the DJI, like, I can make it take off and land by, like, touching the screen of my phone, and I haven't told it. Like, I haven't moved any of the joysticks at all. It will fly up. It will fly down. I can yep. make wow. it fly to certain places by just touching the screen. There, there's not, you know, it's not hard. It, it'll in 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 if you let go of the sticks completely, it just floats in the air. It doesn't fall. Doesn't you know? It just stays right. It there. just like floats there. Yes. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I, if I if I know my helicopter did whenever I was a kid, it smashed into a million pieces. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. Difference between that's what I thought would happen to a drone is they would just fall from no. the sky and you're done. I could I could set my drone up, drone up right now in my house. Let it take off and then move it like right here onto the camera and let it sit here and film this while we sit here and talk. And I am not touching anything. And I have done it, I, I have done it with my friends just to show them like how crazy it is. And, and if, it gets, yeah. if it gets really crazy, you press the home button and it comes back to the pre position yeah. and it yeah. lands itself. Well, when I when I went up to the crest, I flew I flew it off the crest uh -huh. and I, I couldn't see it at a certain point because it'll go up to two and a half miles away. Right. And wow. I couldn't. I couldn't physically see it. I had no idea. I actually had no idea if I was low or if I was high. So I got scared to bring it back because I didn't know if I was going to crash into trees. So what I did was, is I just flew it as high as it would go, and it would go high altitude. And it t it talks to you. It goes high altitude reached, and then I hit the home button, and it flew back down, and I and I and I actually caught it in my hand and was good to go. Right. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Wow. <laughs> I would like you to shine some light on something that I've always been curious about. Why do we have to turn off our electronic items on an airplane? Yeah. <laughs> it's magic. Yes. <laughs> um, so actually, you want to know why that happens? That has yeah. nothing to do with the FAA. That has to do with the FCC. Uh, so everybody screams at the FAA and then everybody like – because they don't know it's the FCC. What it used to be is your cell phone was analog. And yeah. so when your analog was hitting different towers, it would really screw with stuff. Now, navigation and things are are shielded for things like that. Right. So it's not really going to be that big of a deal. And I, I might get hunted down by the airlines for saying this. <laughs> um, but And it makes sense, though. The reason why... They do not want the airlines do not want the FCC to change that rule is do you want somebody to some Karen to sit right next to you in a flight and dial her phone and talk to whoever it is the entire flight? No, right. no, no. absolutely. Not. So most people aren't going to do the research. So they're like, everybody turn off your electric item, uh, your, your items. Well, 
after we take off, which is a critical phase of uh, flight, mm-hmm. and we get to that 10,000 foot, they're like, you can turn on your wireless devices now. Doesn't you can't you can't talk nobody, yeah. 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 Wireless transmission, yeah. no big deal. You're still sending RF waves and things like that. Yeah, because yeah, like S- Southwest has like Wi-Fi now. Yeah. So yeah. when I get bored, I, I put my iPad on and I'm mm-hmm. connected to the Wi-Fi and I'm surfing well, the web. That's like okay, that's like the same myth with like hard drives on computers that they used to be like, you know, and it wasn't a myth. Like you could, you know, back in the day, if you had a magnet near your computer, it would wipe your hard mm-hmm. drive. But now they're shielded, yeah. and it, you know, a lot of them are not even spinning anymore. They're all solid state. But people still have that philosophy in their head that they're like, "Oh, don't put a magnet near the hard drive." Yeah. yeah. And then there was actually mind a, blown. There was actually a spy. <laughs> uh, there was actually a story that I heard about a spy, a Russian spy, in uh, um, England. So he had he had all of his computer equipment in his apartment, and then he lined the inside of his doorway with magnets. So Ooh. so when he was caught, they drug him out, and then they grabbed his stuff, and they walked it through the doorway, and it wiped it as it walked out. This was in the eighties, you know. Wow. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that does that's not a thing Super anymore. Smart. Right. But that's pretty cool, man. So, tell us tell us your feelings on the on the cancellation of the balloon fiesta. <sighs> okay. So first I'm sad. Uh, there's no way around it. I'm, I'm sad because that's, that's such a huge part of my community and, and who I am. I identify as an avid balloonist anyways, but uh, the one thing I do know is uh, I know most of the board of directors for balloon fiesta. Yeah. Uh, and being able to personally talk to them, they, they've even said that's like one of the hardest decisions they've had to make in their life because they, they're they looking at – they don't want anybody to get to get sick. They, they believe that they have a, a major responsibility both to the citizens of New Mexico but also to – it's an international event. Mm-hmm. Um, Has but, it ever um, been canceled before? No, it's never been canceled before. Yeah. So, this, right. this 49 years, correct? Like state fair is the same, right? Yeah. State fair is the same way. So, um, and you know, the economic impact that it has both on Albuquerque oh, yeah. and New Mexico as a whole. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize is Balloon Fiesta is a 501c3. It's their own entity. The city of Albuquerque doesn't put on Balloon Fiesta. No. The state of New Mexico doesn't put on Balloon Fiesta. Balloon Fiesta puts, puts on, on Balloon Fiesta. Fiesta. Yeah. Um, and this is this is my personal take on it, which I'm really thankful for. Um, there might be people out there that disagree or or agree, but you know that board probably saved Balloon Fiesta in the long run um, because if they took the gamble and logistically they've been planning it, mm-hmm. and then right at the last minute they spent all that capital, and then it got canceled, they would have maybe bankrupt oh. the entire 501c3. Right. And I think that's the reason why um, the director of operations for Balloon Fiesta, Sam Parks, who is, is an incredible mentor of mine and a, a very good friend, and we fly competition, uh, we talked about it. He goes, we're not actually canceling Fiesta. We're postponing it. Yeah. Now, everybody everybody in Albuquerque is like, well, there's not going to be a Fiesta in 2020. That's a cancellation. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which, you know... We're not going to go to Balloon Fiesta in 2020, so I understand where that's coming from. Right, 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 right. You look at logistics, 
I'm already accepted for Balloon Fiesta 49. It's just going to happen in 2021. Those vendors, those contracts, that logistical mm -hmm. footprint that they've been working on in a year for a year already is already there. So to cancel it, it, it would be like wiping the slate clean right. and not going through with any of these things that have already been planned. No, they're, they're keeping a lot of that planning stuff and they're mm -hmm. keeping a lot of those people that they have contracts with. They are literally postponing it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think you're still going to see balloons in October. Yeah. I think the yeah. balloon community in, in New Mexico, uh, we've already talked about it. We want to fly. We just don't want to put anybody at danger. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then you also uh, also canceling it this early. Like if you waited till you know, uh, you know, sept you know, September or whatever, you have those people that are planning like from Germany and from the East Coast. Well, now they don't. You know, they, they they're not spending all that money. They're not. You know. Well, some of these vendors and sponsors, this stuff is planned so far out. I I highly support the fact that they made this decision when they yeah. did. It's right, like right. you're saying. The, the financial strain of canceling it even later than they have now would be even worse. You, you know, like the RV lot usually mm -hmm. fills within like two or three weeks after Fiesta is over yeah. for the next year. So yeah, it's, it's a huge logistical yeah. thing. I, I think it was a very responsible, um, it, it was a cautious, but the right decision to make. Right. Um, I think, like I said, we're all sad about it, but yeah. I, I don't know anybody who could talk bad about the decision. I, I mean, no. you know, I mean, we've lost, you know, the state fairs is not going to happen. I mean, it's not like it's not like it was out of nowhere and people are like, what the fuck? How dare you? You know, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's it's, you know, people were I, I, I wasn't shocked it happened. I was like, OK, this is coming at some point. And so, you know, it, 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 it's weird for me. I don't know. I guess I have a weird opinion of this stuff. Them doing it gives me more respect than them like, we're going to push through. We don't care. Like, that would really uh, upset like upset me because I just feel mm -hmm. like – and uh, I'll, I'll probably save this for the second hour. But, like, you know, there's definitely things that have happened to me this week that definitely has, has – I already had an opinion on, on how things are going. And now I really have an opinion. And um, I'll tease that for the second hour for sure, because it's not you know this has nothing to do with aviation. But um, how do you feel? Like I, I I saw today I didn't I, I I've seen the rumblings and I'd seen the like Facebook stuff, but I didn't really realize it was such a a, a big thing. This balloon fiesta drive-in theater, right? Um, and, and, yeah. and when I say that, I'm not talking like here's let me explain why I I didn't understand like the gravity of it. I'm saying they, they, they're building a drive-in theater in the Balloon Fiesta Park. They're not, like, pulling out a truck with a flatbed and it has, like, a blow-up screen on it. They are building a screen, or they built a screen. They're building, like, a full-fledged drive-in theater? Yes. Like, yes. like full-on. I mean, I don't know. And I'm not saying they're building it. I think they built it. Like, yeah, I think Guardians of the Galaxy was playing this last weekend or something and like then, that. And uh, then I think Avengers Endgame tonight. And, uh, and there's an area. So here's – here because I, I thought it was, like, a, a you know, a, a – just a random thing for the pandemic. But then I was looking at, they, they posted a thing today with the, uh, the layout and it has a future beer garden and it has a food truck area. And then it shows the screen like this massive screen. And I was like, oh, holy shit. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. But I mean, is that going to affect anything when a balloon fiesta comes around? It, you know, they, 
Are you guys going to collide with the screen? You know, no. I, oh. You know, the city is really, really good at understanding that during Fiesta, it really becomes yeah. what we call a balloon port, um, and, and they they're pretty proactive at working with Balloon Fiesta board on what needs to happen, especially in in the realm of safety. So I I think. There's a good relationship most of the time between the city and Balloon Fiesta to, you know, make things work. And and we know that, you know, when Balloon Fiesta is not going on, that's yeah. it's a city park. Yeah. Uh, and though, though I do know that Balloon Fiesta does an incredible amount of work for upgrading the park yeah. out of their own money. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's something that Albuquerque benefits from just from fiesta itself um but they work hand in hand with uh city parks and, and those type of aspects okay but i can't i can't say it officially because I'm, I'm not a representative of fiesta i'm oh, just no, no. I, I was just you know <laughs> so let me see if i can pull this up for you everybody because i because i i literally was like thinking it was just like you know there's been some random like uh upstarts they're like we're gonna pull into a lot and we're gonna have a screen on the back of a truck which you know awesome Mm-hmm. But um, this doesn't no, seem to be that way. Yeah, where's it at? The venue. I don't know. There's a there's some that shows like the whole. There we go. Future beer garden, food trucks, toilets. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that wouldn't really affect Balloon Fiesta per se yeah. because that's where RV parking is. That's oh. right next to the Balloon Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, so not really in in the yeah. field or anything. Yeah, um, I just think it's really cool. I, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I mean, that's I, amazing. I've wanted us to have a drive-in theater again ever since I moved back. And then, like one time, someone posted that there was one happening, and it was an April Fool's joke, and I wanted to murder them. Um, <laughs> I think it's you know, like Las Vegas, New Mexico has a drive-in movie theater, and it's yeah. dope. it's dope. It's crazy cool. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you, as like the parent of a small child, it's super exciting that now I can take her to a drive-in theater because regular movie theaters are not made for small children. No, they're not. Says the and it's rude to, to the people around me. I wish more people <laughs> understood that. Yes, I hate. We it. would never really take her. <laughs> I love my favorite my favorite movie theater to go to because of that is the icon up in uh Four Hills. If you go there they have the seats yeah. that lay all the way down. But like they have these like these scenes on the screen and they're like they're like if you have a baby and it starts crying, if you cannot if please take it out in the hallway and if you cannot quiet it down, you will be asked to leave. And I was like, Yeah Woo That's what well, it yeah. says on the thing. Here's the thing. Cool parents know like so Danny can't even sit through like a movie she really wants to see because she's four. So she's not even a baby, but yeah. little kids are just not meant to be in movie theaters unless it's like a little kid movie at one in the afternoon. So drive-in theaters are great for us because she'll fall asleep in her own little chair. If she is obnoxious, she's only annoying us. It's great. I'm excited. My, my feeling is that kids shouldn't be allowed in public until they're like 12. <laughs> Tell them, Ray. Uh, yeah. My, 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 I was, I was raised a little different. Like, uh, the way I, I was taught how to behave in a uh, theater was, um, my mom and my brother would take me to the movie I wanted to watch, 
and then they would leave me there and go see the movie that I wanted to watch. So if I had a problem, I Apparently wasn't allowed asshole. to talk to strangers. Well, asshole. But I just had to deal with it on my own, so I couldn't say anything or oh. talk to anyone or make a scene. And Jeez. if I ever wanted to watch a movie again, yeah. I had to do that. I, I'm, I'm with Ray, and, I, and I, I'll take it a step further. I want you to like show up with the kid, and people are like, oh, whoa, we didn't know you had a kid. You're like, yeah, yeah. I, know, I know, I know. Can we bring back? I mean, my kid? friends are still kind of like, oh, whoa, I didn't know you had a kid. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The least my kid. own home, so yeah. it's fine. Yeah, you show up at the bar <laughs> with your kid. I watched The Land Before Time by myself, just crying by myself. Yeah, that's funny. oh, such a sad song. Um, yeah. That's okay. So we're at, we're at the end of the uh, the first hour. So Will, I hope you're going to stay around for the second hour because we yeah. still have a lot of questions asked, especially about your new podcast that you're starting. We we definitely need to get into that. We'll tease that. Um, awesome. something happened to me on Friday that I'd like to tease. that has to do with the, uh, uh, the, the, the pandemic. So I will talk oh. about that a little bit. Um, does anybody have anything they want to promote at all? Well, I have something I want to tease for the second hour. Okay. Uh, will, um, is my favorite slash. Most paid in my butt regular <laughs> from Press Club. Oh, yeah. And I have a couple little tiny stories I would like to tell Will or tell about Will um, uh, as payback for some of the things he put me through. Oh, shit. There you go. As his bartender. Because wow. he has he has dubbed me his bartender. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, Ray, do you have anything to, to promote? No, um, I mean, mainly just uh, finding me on pretty much any social media platform under Ray Basuda, except for Facebook. Anybody who's looking for me and can't find me on there, I didn't delete you or block you. I deleted <laughs> my Facebook. Uh, I get that sometimes. Uh, but uh, you can also follow uh, my art page. I have a few designs that I have uh, waiting to, uh, to release on there under uh, at Basuda Paint. Yeah. Uh, Smiley, what do you got? Uh, as per usual, you can uh, watch me on the second season of Midnight Texas, streaming on Hulu or on NBC. Or if you want to like uh, look really hard, you can find me on Daybreak on Netflix. Oh. And Will, uh, where can people find your new podcast? I guess on anywhere. I shouldn't. I should never ask that question. So I guess they can find your <laughs> podcast anywhere podcasts are found: iTunes, right. uh, Google Play. Um, but like you also are starting a YouTube channel for Aviate, Aviate New Mexico, correct? Yeah, so uh, we, we're doing a concept of both the podcast where we can ask the questions in New Mexico about aviation in New Mexico. So policymakers, industry leaders, uh, recreational pilots, professional pilots, uh, airport managers. We, so that's where we're going to be able to ask those questions about the aviation infrastructure and what what's going to be fun to do and if there's any events. But then the other thing that we're going to do is we're going to have a vlog where you get to come around and, and follow us on our adventures to all these places. So with, there's 54 airports in New Mexico. You're going to be able to come along to nice. every single one of those airports. So, yeah, it's, it's a vlog and a podcast all under the Aviate New Mexico umbrella. Wow, cool. Uh, and then me, I have, uh, I have my own YouTube channel. It's called Made Down Media. Um, I post videos like, you know, some drone flights. I post, uh, you know, like the, like Friday I posted one where uh, I rode my, uh, my electric skateboard around and I filmed 
all of the cool artwork that people have done on the uh, plywood that's on the windows downtown. Nice. Uh, I saw what was his name, Rincati or whatever the fuck that weatherman guy's name is. He uh, did a, yeah, he yeah. did a whole video where he Run was like him. he was like showing off like how bad downtown looked uh, with all the boarded up windows, and I went and showed uh, how the downtown looks with all the amazing artwork on it. So. And, and, and it's crazy because a lot of the cool artists that did the work actually reached out and thanked me for doing that, which no problem. I mean, thank you for doing all that amazing artwork. And if you haven't been downtown, just, you know, you can cruise down and see it all. It's pretty amazing. The old um, Firestone tire shop is is completely covered in art right now, like all the win- all the windows. It's amazing. Um, cool. Up and down Central. It's really dope. Uh, the Brixen. Uh, restaurant has some really amazing stuff so go check that stuff out um and then uh, with tendering minimum we have our website tenderingminimum.com you can find us anywhere that podcasts are found if you go and look and you cannot find it please by all means personal message me and let me know because there's always new places popping up but it's pretty rare that we're not on something so there you go so like and smash that like and subscribe like billy would say uh, since we're going into the Billy Hour. And uh, let's come back about 7.08. Does that sound good? Cool. Yeah. Thank you guys for all for listening. Uh, Will will be back for the second hour for the Billy Hour. Um, we definitely drink. We do the show. You should as well. But always remember, never get too drunk to jerk. 10drinkminimum.com.
Welcome back to the Billy Hour. Live here Sunday night. Ten drink minimum. Um, I'm going to light everybody's mic up, but I'm not going to pull everybody back in right away. So, Thursday night. A little backstory, a little backstory. So, thir- so uh, I've been dating this woman for a couple weeks. Going very well. And Thursday night, she calls me and she says, hey... Want to let you know, my grandfather has uh, um, been tested positive for COVID nineteen, and I'm like, okay. And she's, you know, basically roundabout way. Uh, I've been in contact with him, and now I've been in contact with you. Thought I should let you know. So Friday morning, I go <coughs> down and I wait in line, and get the test and I want to talk about the test you know I won't know I'm not I don't know if I'm positive or negative no idea I won't know until tomorrow but I have to tell you about what the test is like for everyone that wants yes so I'm going to pull everyone back in so who's had the test here I have I've I've taken uh, people to get the test but I haven't done it myself so, I've had it three times. Three times. Twice. So, after the protesting, and then I had it after I got in kind of a brawl. So, you guys can agree with me on this. So, for everyone that's like, you know, hey, everything needs to reopen, fuck the governor, all this shit, let me explain to you what's going to happen if you think you're positive. And I know there's like tests out there that are not like this, but this is the test I got. So, <laughs> um, I drive up, and I'm thinking they're going to use a cotton swab. They pull out something that looks a lot like this McDonald's stir stick, not the fucking McDonald's end, <laughs> but the paddle end. <laughs> and they stick that thing three quarters of the way into my, like, not, not like up my nose, but into my head. Like, yeah, it touches your brain. Touch your brain. And then, <laughs> okay, once they stick that in like that, this piece of plastic, they stick that in, and she goes, I'm going to count to 10 while I turn it and they twist it and she goes one one thousand two one thousand three one thousand four one thousand five one thousand six one thousand seven one thousand eight one thousand nine one thousand ten one thousand and it hurts the whole fucking time then it hurts about ten minutes after I watched the dude right away on a motorcycle, and I was kind of like, that dude's a bad motherfucker, because I couldn't have done that. <laughs> that shit hurts. Like, it's not like I'm the worst pain I've ever had, but it is definitely enough where I'm like, I'm putting my mask the fuck on when I go outside. So yeah. I, I find out tomorrow. Like, how long did it take you guys to find out your results? Um, so, oh, sorry, James. Go ahead. 72 uh, hours? I got both of money. Yeah. Within two days. Yeah, I, I still haven't heard, and it was Friday, so. Uh, well, I had to go to the ER yeah. um, about two months ago now. Yeah. And I got my results Ugh. about three days later from the ER. But when I had to go through the drive-through testing, I think yeah. it was like four days, Fuck, four man. or five days. So I've been, I just checked it like during the break. It's still nothing. Yeah. But not, you know, that's two um, days. But I got to tell people I'm out there, it, yeah, if you haven't had I'm glad it. You brought, oh, go ahead, go ahead. sorry, Chris. 
<laughs> go ahead. I'm glad I brought it up. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, I'm glad you brought it up though, because I'm one of those people that is immune compromised. Yeah. So anytime I'm exposed to somebody who I don't know where they've been, um, anytime, you know, my daughter has been exposed to somebody, uh, that she shouldn't have been, um, I literally have so much anxiety that I go and get tested it is a very scary oh my feeling. God. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, I don't wish luckily, that on anybody. I've been okay. Yeah. But it is terrifying for somebody who is immune compromised. Yeah, it true. is. The last four months have been mm-hmm. the most terrifying months of my life besides when I had cancer. Well, and, and so I go to Silver Market today to get breakfast burritos and some Topo Chico. And I'm standing in line. I counted six people around the, the area where you check out. This is just not the whole store where you check out six people that either had no mask or were like this or like this. Mm-hmm. And I'm showing it where like they had a, no, their nose exposed or their just on their chin. And I was so aware. And I'm just like, man, if you guys like. Honestly, they need to just make everyone go have that test, and you will not fuck it. <laughs> You're gonna wear your mask after that. No. Um, yeah, we, we should definitely talk about Will's amazing aviation outfit. <laughs> I said, "How is it that we're just gonna all pretend yeah. like Will doesn't have the best outfit ever on right now?" I just wanted to rip that Band-Aid off. Yeah, you look like the. It wasn't well, the thing. You're like the Snoopy World War. Well, here's the deal. I have place. I have known Will for years, yeah. and I've seen Will at his drunkest. And I'm gonna be really real. I. It's not weird for him to be wearing an amazing outfit like yeah. that. Sure. I wore it just for this. Just thing that you're I don't know why do. you took it out. I don't know why you took it off. Because <laughs> it's hot, man. It's hot. Why would you be wearing a scarf and goggles? I don't know what, what that means. Porco Rosso? Porco Rosso. I no idea. All right, cool. Well, <laughs> we are in the Billy Hour officially. What is yeah. everybody drinking right now? I saw uh, it looked like it Santa Fe, right? A little little Pepe Loco, and I like the Shinerbog man. Um, I I don't have. Um, any... Yeah, go ahead. Oh. Go ahead, Polly. Uh, I have an announcement. Uh-oh. I got cleared by my doctor to officially have one day a week where I can drink, and I have designated Sunday my day to drink. And, and yeah. you call it? You, do you call yeah. it? Uh, do you call the it? The way the Lord intended. Do you call it forty ounce Sunday? <laughs> I call it uh, two trulies, and I feel weird oh. Sunday. Uh, I will tell you this: like I, I, I ride my e-board over to like uh, uh, the El Rey liquor store, right? Because I'm totally in. Like you know, is it cheaper than the supermarket? No, but like I really love supporting those guys because they've just always been really amazing to us. So right. this week they got in an old classic, some Lone Star. And I think I've Yay. almost cleaned them out of Lone Star. I like I would be drinking Lone Star right now if I had some, but I drank it all this weekend. <laughs> I fucking love like I hate Texas, but I love Lone Star beer. I, I was just about to say that. For as much as I hate Texas, I do like Lone Star. Yeah. I um <laughs> we wrestled at a, an event in Lubbock, Texas once, and one of our sponsors uh, was gonna have an after party. Oh wow. And it had a trough full of Lone Star. 
that they like was free to us and they're just like have as much as you guys want well we emptied the trough very quickly and then they refilled <laughs> it and then like by the end of it they were getting like really upset how much we were drinking i was like you can't have a bar full of professional wrestlers and then like <laughs> there's no limit and free beer and then get upset with how much we drink ray are you sure you're not a pilot Right. So okay, Ray, okay. Are you sure you're not a comedian? I wanna, uh, I wanna pull up. So someone said Porco Rosso. I think that's how you say it. And I wanna pull up what I found. And it, it, I wouldn't pull. I wouldn't show you guys this unless it made sense. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's awesome. I don't okay. know what that is, but yeah. So yeah, that then so, look it up. Now. Yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> So, yeah. So all I got to say is, man, you fucking the Lone Star Beer. I, I hate to like e- even the label. It says on the fucking label, the National Beer of Texas. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm, and I'm just like disgusted while I drink it. And go, yeah. mm, you know? But it's so good. Yeah. I'm a huge fan and I always will be of regional beers. Mm-hmm. You, know, there's, yes. you know, there's Lone Star. There's Rainier, Olympia, uh, Old Style. Uh, and I've, but I've never had one. One I've never had is is Natty Bo, National Bohemian, because it's Baltimore. Oh. And I guess there's Billy found some new ones in, uh, um, DC, and I'm like, oh, so I've I gotta have, you know, I've got to my my goal in life. That's a bucket list in life is to have every regional beer in the United States, you know. And like Pabst Blue Ribbon owns lucky. owns most of them. It's really That's weird. Cool. What were those ones we had in Colorado? Were they Montucky cold? Oh no, sex? that's from Montana. Oh, oh, and 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 that's not. I guess that's a regional. It's uh, it's a brewery out of Montana called. Uh, you know, the the beer's called Montucky Cold Snacks, and it's one of the best beers I've ever had in my entire life. It's and so good. They don't sell it in. It's so funny because like, I have a friend who does the Overland, um, four by four. You know, camping. If you yes. guys understand that, where they have the big tent that comes off the top of their four by four vehicle and they came out and he's like, I'm going up to Colorado, a coworker. And uh, I turned him on to like the seven K IPA. And he was like, man, you, you really know beer. And like, so I'm like, dude, if you go to Colorado, bring me back a 12 pack of, of Montucky cold snacks. And so he finds, of course, he goes up there, he finds them and he gets a 12 pack for me and a 12 pack for him. And he comes into work and he's like, dude, that beer is fucking awesome. And so every time he goes back to Colorado, he's like, it's always out. And he's like, shit. So I don't know. <laughs> it's really easy to drink. Mm. It's really good. Well, I remember ha- we were- having uh-huh. having Will on the show is has been so great. I'm really sad that he's not going to get a chance to experience the Malort. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. I feel like Will has. Have you had Malort before, Will? I have not. Oh. It's delicious. As, as his like favorite bartender for years <laughs> right i am so fucking sad that i don't get to experience yeah. his face after drinking well malort. you owe us a malort shot will <laughs> i'll find you know, out if you no. end up becoming covid positive you may try taking a shot of malort it oh, may God. help yeah yes <laughs> that'd be fucked up They're like man from albuquerque finds cure malort <laughs> malort and then there's people that are like, you know what, dude? I'm just going to die. I'm cool. Yeah. I'm cool, man. I'm just going to die, bro. It's not bad. 
Yeah, taking um, a shot in the wart sounds worse than getting the test. Here's here's yeah oh yeah, like that's, that's <laughs> a good question. That's a good question. What's worse, shot him alert or COVID nineteen test? <laughs> I'm gonna say COVID nineteen oh. test, but it's close. It is fucking very close. So will I think they're the same? The malort thing, it's really funny because it gets built up and then people do it, and when you first take the shot, it has it's fine. Right, and then it just it sticks. Yes. It's like oily, so it sticks in your mouth, and then just the aftertaste is fucking ferocious. Uh, it's like it's like it's like uh, it's like eating a ball of rubber bands that are, that, are, that, are, that are dirty, dirty hot, dirty hot rubber bands. Growing up, like just midge above hillbilly, I've been sprayed in the face by a skunk, oh, yeah. and it was just about as bad as the shot of a lord. Yeah, that's a good comparison, Ray. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Ugh. I've got to order another Ugh. bottle, but I found a place online that'll still ship it. Let's you know, do it. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> no, I've, I've no, I've still have some. So, so, so yeah, I think Holly has seen me do some really stupid stuff. What's the there's there's, oh. there's one that people always bring up, and it, it tastes pretty bad too. But it's are not you talking good. about the lunchbox that we banned? No, I was uh, the lunchbox was after. Uh, Isn't the lunchbox like orange juice and beer? Isn't that the the yeah? The three wise men dropped into it. Oh God! Hold on, let me ask you from the bar. Let me ask you this, Will. (laughs) Let me ask you this, Will. What is what is your interpretation of the three wise men? Uh, Because I've heard different. Okay, Jack, Johnny, and we did Jose. That's not see. That's different than what I know. Okay, so yeah. the three wise men I always had was Jaegermeister, Bacardi Ooh. 151, and Rumplemans. And well, that was. I think everybody Nazi. has a different three wise men. What's that, James? Oh, sorry. It's called Screaming Nazi. Ah! <laughs> so, so whenever people would be turned 21, they were like, Chris, what drink should I get? And I'd be like, three wise men. And, and they would, and people would end up on the sidewalk outside laying down. <laughs> I did a gin sniffer when I was 21 on my birthday, and that was oh. horrible, horrible. I idea. think that my first legal drink was called the Three Wise Men on a wild turkey hunt in Mexico. Woo! So, Woo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny because, like, uh, Holly's seen me do stupid stuff. Chris, I know you've seen me do stupid I, yeah. stuff. Um, uh, there's Jeremiah Weed is oh. like, yeah, yeah, we we got the weed. That's a fighter pilot shot. Um, that that comes from like this huge tradition of these these dudes literally like crashing F four in the Nevada desert and to celebrate the the fact that they oh. they like found this little bar when they were going back to their crash site a year later, and they're like, I need at least a hundred proof bourbon, and it tastes like gasoline oh. turpentine like mixed. It's it's bad. Um, but like, it's bad, bad. You go to any fighter pilot bar in the Air Force, and there's going to be Jeremiah Weed. Um, what is it like a fighter pilot bar? Uh, dude, so I I have had the honor, and (laughs) because I was I was an aircraft mechanic, I was not a fighter pilot. Um, so to be able to go into like their sanctuary, that's where they decompress. Um, How many jeeps were in the parking lot of that sanctuary? <laughs> really, like that's no, so many. Like, I dated a fighter pilot for a short time. So <laughs> many jeeps, and an NSX and a Corvette. 
for the old dude. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Chris yeah. poured himself a, a shot of the the forbidden elixir. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this for you Why guys. Why would you do that? Because I wanna I wanna I wanna see what was worse, Friday or today. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I and I and it might kill it. And it might kill it. I sh- I have a shot of Malort in my hand right now. I hope it kills everything. I, I feel like I've become Malort. Jealous, man. I feel like I've become Malort immune. Yeah. <laughs> the science proves you're wrong. Huh. Wow. Yeah, that's fucking disgusting. <laughs> oh. So you don't have COVID because one of the symptoms is you can't taste anything. Oh, I can. Yeah, right. Right. They should give people Malort. And if you can't taste that, it's like, they're like, oof. Sorry, folks. That's ooh, new you're going to die. Because well, that yeah, was like what it was invented by the guy who like taste buds yeah. dead, right? Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry, man. That that looks rough. It's uh, <laughs> it actually isn't as bad. Okay, so here's the funny story. So a couple Give weeks, thirty seconds. It come, it creeps up on. It'll you. come back, yeah, and I'll be like, Ugh. so I, I go. Uh, I'm over uh, at Safe House Distilling. I was riding by on. I was walking by and uh, the the. Distiller there, Chris Chris uh, Lurig, he he's like, hey, come on, come in, come hang out. And they were building this big barrel, whiskey barrel uh, framework. You know, um, you know, people are always asking like, what are the cool perks of Tindering Mill? Well, you know, you get to go hang out later. And so he goes, you have a bottle of Malort, right? And I go, yeah. And there's like, you know, there's like a guy helping them, and there's like the people like working the front of the place. And I was like, I'll go get it. You guys want to do shots in the back? I mean, we didn't actually do that. <laughs> but um <laughs> so i go get it and this kid is like pouring the shots and he's like what do you want a shot and a half i go no fuck no jesus christ are you crazy <laughs> and then he still like over poured the shots like it was like Ugh, oh and Ugh. and then like this girl filmed it and he's like how bad is this gonna be and i was like um probably the worst thing you've ever ever drank in your entire life and he goes oh oh we'll see and so everyone, we all we all cheers, we all do a shot, and everybody's like takes a second, and then they go, then they, you just see their faces, and then they're like trying to drink stuff to like kill it, and then, <laughs> and of course the immediate guy thing happens, the, the this dude who you know I didn't know, but it's like his first time, he's like, oh oh, we got to give this to Johnny, you know, you know, to whoever, and it was like, yep, that's a total guy thing. Oh, how gross is this? We got to, we got to give this to blah blah blah. Just to, yeah. you know. Do you guys like drinking at ten o'clock in the morning? Yes, I do actually. Uh, so why aren't you all balloonists? Oh, uh, right. <laughs> that's not, right. It ain't ten o'clock in the morning though, man. Uh, dude, yeah. I hate. It's I, five you know, o'clock in the morning. I, I was, I was, um. Putting a video we together. Fiesta. We get drunk with you. Well, that, so invite us. We'll go and drink with you. I don't have totally. to go up in a balloon, do I? If you want to, I don't. But you're not I'm obligated. No, I, I'm, I'm fine. Not. <laughs> I want to go in a balloon. I just. Wanna, I will not go in a balloon. I'll sit by the cooler and I'll drink PBRs. Are you? Are you afraid? Really, of Ray and Chris, you won't go in a balloon. No. Uh, no. Is it the height? <laughs> So so I'll fly yeah. I'll fly in a plane all day long. I'm afraid of heights. All right, I hear yeah, you. I I'm hear what you're saying. Heights, I wouldn't even like look off the roof of Chris's house like, if we were up there. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I drink it up. I'm not afraid of shit. I'm afraid of edges. Okay, like you get me to a cliff, <laughs> I'm gonna punch you in the face. Okay, but like, and it's weird. My first couple of flights when I like went really high up and I was looking over and I was like, 
Oh, I need to get really low in the basket yeah. right now because I'm a little scared. But you feel <laughs> comfortable. Um, and, and I realized I wasn't actually afraid of heights. I'm afraid of like that edge feeling, which yeah. is great. Yeah. Where Same. my butthole feels like it's going to shoot out my belly button. Yeah. Totally. Like if I fly yeah. on a commercial airplane, I'm fine. I have no issue. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I'll look out I'm the good. window. I'm all fine with that. But then, gotta, but then it's like. I close the window. I can't even look out while we're ascending. But Are like. You- I have a. I have a very specific fear of heights. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a fear that I will throw myself from a high place. So I can't even get close. Like if there's, if I'm tethered and there's no way I can fling myself off like a ledge, I'm fine. Yeah. But Dude, if I'm, I'm just like, really, I'm, I just have this irrational fear that I will lose control and just jump. Dude, well, I'm going to hook you up with beaners <laughs> and just, like, lock you in. Well, like, for me, it's I've like... I've skydiving before. Oh, I'm not afraid of no. much. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> so, for me, it's like, I can go up in an airplane, uh, but, like, if, if, if I'm in a building and I'm on, like, the 50th floor and I'm, like, looking out the window, I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah. yeah. Like, I okay, was watching... So- yeah, go ahead. You guys can come crew yeah. if you don't want to go flying. Well, I don't really want to work either. Yeah, <laughs> right. I said PBR and sit by the cooler, did I not? Pilots provide beer usually. Okay. Yeah. So it's like right. moving. I will fly. So it's like, so it's I will like, crew. You give me beer. I'm good. Yeah, so it's like moving. James is like moving. Pizza and beer. <laughs> you know, so like I'll pick up your couch and you give me some beer. All yeah, right. All right. I guess so, yeah. You know, yeah, I was yeah. curious, Will. You're talking about how much uh you know radio communication is a big thing for you guys. Yeah. And I, I already know the balloons are so loud. Can you guys even really like listen to music or, or do stuff like while you're up there, or do you have to be like really present? Yeah. Dude, so between my burns, so I'll I'll have a conversation. And I was flying this morning with a former student of mine and we have to do for him. He has to do an annual flight review because he's a commercial ride balloon pilot. So every year he goes with an instructor and we go through emergency procedures and we do this whole flight review. And it's weird because like when you fly balloons after so often, like we'll be having a full conversation and mid sentence he burns and we just all stop. So it's like, hey man, how you doing today? And you just know to stop talking whenever the burner is, which actually really works out when you have somebody examining you. Because if you don't want them to keep asking questions, you're just like, cool, and keep burning so they can't talk to you. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I've had some bad um, situations happen to me at the Balloon Fiesta Park where I just. Haven't been a huge Balloon Fiesta fan after that. Is it, is it people or is it the balloonists? Uh, balloonists. Really? Yeah. Who, who who I need to go talk to? So here, here's what happened. So I get up at like sure. four in the morning to go out to this Balloon Fiesta, and I meet my friend, and like we get on the shuttle, we pay the money, and we go out. And of course, they're you know we we get there, it's early as shit, and then they're like, it's too windy, can't fly. And we're like, oh, all right, that sucks. That sucks. We got no like control over that. I know. Though. No, 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 no. Hold on. So then we're like, okay. all right, well, we'll walk around and like look at all the shit. And we get to a certain area, and this person's like, "Can I help you with something?" I'm like, N- uh, no. They're like, are you a balloonist? No. Well, then you need to get the fuck out of this area because you're not a balloonist. And I was like, oh. okay, let's rain that down a little bit. But cool. And uh, so then I was like, all right, well, fuck you, asshole. And uh, never, then I never went back until literally like 
a guy who worked for Rock and Brews made Smiley and I go. So, Chris, I think, <laughs> I think your response was the totally appropriate response. Yeah. Like, so the, the cool thing about ballooning to me, uh, because that was really where I got my like certificates and everything, was the community aspect. Yeah. Um, because I would say 90% of the ballooning community are the type of people who are like, hey, you're interested in what we do? Dude, come on over here and let's talk about it. Right. And hey, do you want a beer? You want some yeah. champagne? Because champagne and ballooning always go together. <laughs> Not what happened. I love to me. champagne. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. and, and oddly enough, actually, I got into ballooning because I talked shit to my best friend. She wasn't my best friend at the time, <laughs> but she's my best friend now. Yeah. Um, so I'm in, I'm in the Air Force Auxiliary. I'm also in the Air Force, in the Air National Guard. But uh, one of my commanders in the Air Force Auxiliary wanted to create a balloon program. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, dude, we're assigning all of these balloon pilots to your squadron. You're the squadron commander. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I got nothing but prima donnas who think they're all hot shit. Because I was raised in like an airplane flying family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I thought airplanes right. were the shit. Um. I hope you so, wait. Hold on. I hope I hope you like turned into like every like guy in an '80s action film that was like the, you know like say like Point Break. He's like he's like you're a real blue flame special, aren't you? Fresh off the <laughs> fresh off the balloon field, aren't you? Well, let so, me tell you something. <laughs> I hope that, she, that you did that. She's in the front announcing that she was going to go fly and she needed crew and she wanted to like to introduce people. I introduced her and I was like, if you're interested in ballooning crap, you can talk to her. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And she like looks from across the room and goes, you, you're flying tomorrow. I was like, the fuck? It's a balloon. Who cares? Up and down. Yep. Up and down <laughs> with the wind, up and down and with the wind. And so I, I wake my ass up at five 30 in the morning. Good God. Ew. Yeah, I know. I know. It, the only reason I get up that early is to go flying now. I but, get up uh, that early to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I get out there and, and she looks at me and goes, get in the basket after like set up. I'm like, what are you? You're intimidating and scary right now. You know that? Yeah. She's like, get in. I'm like, all right, fuck it. I don't, I don't want to cross you. So I get in the basket and it was the most relaxing thing. Like, I've flown airplanes. I flew gliders at that point. Um, and then we flew around, and it was just super cool. And then we landed. We packed up. And the next thing, like, we popped a bottle of champagne. I'm like, I'm drinking at 930. I have found my niche. <laughs> yeah. uh, tell me more. How do right. I join? And now I'm a commercial pilot, and I fly balloons, and I'm wow. I'm a CEO and president of a balloon competition club. So I mean, you guys just get up, start drinking, and fly a balloon. That's that's terrible. That's a great terrible. <laughs> How dangerous is that? Drinking beforehand, the FAA might be listening. Hello, uh, no. Yeah. There's this still eight hours bottle yeah. of throttle, and you can't be drunk. It's like driving right, a car. Right. Okay, yeah. okay. So well, speaking of drinking, let's uh, just get into this. Will and I have a history. And it's a great history. He's my favorite regular. I'm going to say this on on the record. Ooh. He's my favorite regular of all time ever from my years of bartending. Um, and we'll get into why. <laughs> You're welcome, Will. Um, 
But before I tell my stories about dealing with your drunk ass, uh, <laughs> what was your impression of me as a bartender? Just so people can understand our relationship. Um. So, and I, I've talked to you about this before. Is I never, <laughs> I, I never thought of you as a bartender. I thought of you as my friend behind the bar who was pouring me drinks. That's literally what I thought, um, because either you were a really good friend, which I consider you, or you were the best bartender in the world. Because <laughs> we have great conversation, and you're super supportive. Um, You've cut me off a couple times, or at least one. Yeah. Right now. Um, yeah, that's probably going to come up. Uh, oh, it will. Thanks, but I I never felt like there there was like a monetary transaction type of business thing going on. I always felt like, literally, I felt like I was at Cheers, and if you chewed my ass, it was probably because I deserved it. And if you gave me advice, it was because you truly cared about yeah. it. And that that was that type of environment that I I really enjoyed. Huh. That's cool. Aw. Yeah. Uh -oh. That's the biggest compliment you can get as a bartender. Yeah. Um, but... Fuck. Before I get into the embarrassing stories about Will, I do want to say he's the best patron you can ever have. He he always tipped me well. He always was respectful. I never had to kick him out of my bar. I never had to, like, none of that happened. Uh, there were a couple times that I gave him a Shirley Temple to be like, hey, dude, shut up. Like, you're being a... You're being drunk and dumb. He fell down the stairs at press club one time and tried to convince me he wasn't drunk. <laughs> uh, Whoops. Those stairs are tricky. Right. I, 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 I mean, not if you're there every night. Um, I can fly, but I don't understand stairs. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> he was flying down the stairs. Right. Man. So the truth is, Will is the first person I ever cut off at press club. <laughs> that's talent wow yeah um i am not one of the i was not one of those bartenders that would cut people off like all the time and will one night drank so much wow. and fell fell down the stairs not just like tripped he rolled anything rolled he like, drank, he, like drank so much you stopped to ask him if he had money you're like do you have money for this that, you know, I'm like, are you? Uh, show me the money. Are you before, okay? Before hey, um, anything <laughs> worth doing is worth overdoing. Okay. It is. Oh, wow. um, and when he got to the bar, I said, "All right, Will, how much have you had a drink tonight?" And he goes, "I had one drink. This many." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had so many. Um, and so I had to cut him off, and I didn't want to be mean oh. about it. Oh, we're pulling out jars of liquor. Oh, I didn't know we were doing that. Oh, good. I'll walk over there and pull out some good. jars of liquor. We have fans. We have fans of ten drink minimum that make us jars of liquor. And Dude, I was, this, I'm looking around. I think I have one somewhere. And I always this laugh. is Laura Schiller, so watch out. And I always, I always laugh because I always like when I talk about it. I always say they make it in their bathtub, and they always get really offended by that. I do not make it in my bathtub. It's like. Ugh. <laughs> 
Oy vey. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I used to just slide Will uh, Shirley Temple when he was too drunk because I loved him so much mm. that I didn't want people to know that I was cutting him off. But I would give him a Shirley Temple, and then he would know, like, I'm done. Okay. But one night, he literally asked me what kind of vodka I put in his Shirley Temple. <laughs> what? It, dude, that sounds like a good drink, though. Right? It is. I made one. What is it? Uh, what is it called? It was called the Dirty Shirley. Ooh, I like that. Nice. It was good. She's a child. Yeah, that's kind of creepy now. Hey. She was uh she was ambassador to the United States at some point. Well, the dirty Shirley was a different Shirley, Ray. Sure. She was the older, <laughs> older, little more, you know, seasoned. Thinking, man, I just I just wanted vodka. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure was it uh, I hope I'm not just spouting shit out. I think she was ambassador to the United States at one point. I think she was too. Yeah. Maybe. Uh but my favorite <laughs> My favorite story about Will is that uh, everybody yeah. knows that I hate Africa dun, by Toto. Dun, dun, dun. I'm glad you finished that. I hate Africa. No, <laughs> no, no. You just cut this you song. Off. Huh? <laughs> no. Um, I hate that song. I don't know why. It's irrational. I'm sure it's a beautiful song, but it drives me crazy. And Will <laughs> Will learned this and would sit at the bar and play that song on a loop. And then I would give him a Shirley Temple, whether he had a drink or not. Oh, wow. But one night, I took over the karaoke shift. Yep. And Will and his little friends literally all sang Africa by Toto. What about Africa by Weezer? Is that better? Or? No, it's not better. It's still not a great song. All I right, hate it enough. so much. Fair enough. Fair enough. Love it. And uh, there are so many stories. Will one time invited me to Hawaii for Don't dinner. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Do you fly to Hawaii often or? I am a pilot. Yeah. I mean, you, okay, hold on. Wait a second. Stop right there. What? How many times? How many times do you use that as a pickup line? Hi, yeah, well, I'm no. a pilot. I'm a pilot. All right, hang on. I, I actually got to call out, and I know he's probably watching right now. My co-host, who is in his twenties, he's an incredibly talented pilot. He he even looked at me. He's like, "Will, why don't you just walk up and be like, I'm Will Fitzpatrick, hot air balloon pilot." And I'm like, that doesn't work, dude. And then just say pilot. Watched. You don't say hot air balloon. It doesn't matter because I watched him like walk up and just go hot air balloon pilot, and it worked. It was like I have been lied to. I have been totally lied to. Pilot. It was just say pilot. Leave the hot air balloon part off. It's not as impressive as you would think. Like I was talking to my friend Chuck, who I I was the mechanic for his airplane. Charles Ferguson? Uh, Chuck Chuck Ferguson. If Chuck Ferguson is on right now... He, he, he's been, he was watching earlier. Okay, so Chuck Ferguson is an F-16 pilot. Yep. And I'm like, dude, that's like the best pickup line ever. And he's like... Yeah. I've, drank, I've drank with Chuck Ferguson many times. 
Chuck Ferguson's like we went, uh, we went to college. We went to college together. No. Yes, sir. Ask him. Chucky. Chucky. Oh, Chucky's like my hero. Um, but Ask Chuck him. was funny because he's like, dude, chicks don't dig pilots anymore. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, yeah. They just. Want- I mean, true. I dated one. Right. You see, you tried it out. People don't like, like jeeps anymore. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Girls just want a dude who does a nine to five and has like an attache case and whatnot. Yeah, I, 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 I know case. That's me. That's me. I know a chick who is a pilot, and I think it's pretty hot. Yeah. So James, will, James will hook up with you. Woo! Yeah. No, I said I know James a chick who is a pilot. <laughs> I want a lady pilot. That's hot. Yeah. Oh, dude, dude, that is hot. Okay, no, lady pilots are stupid intimidating, and I know. A lot of them. I'm glad you finished that. Yeah, sentence. that's what I find hot. I, I I know a lot of of lady pilots, and and actually, like the thing that's super intimidating about it is like, because they're not out to like prove anything. They're just badasses. They're like, take it, leave it. I fly, and I can fly better than you. And if you want me to prove it, I will. So stop talking shit and let's go fly. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. whoa, <laughs> right, right. But but that's the weird thing. I'm just like, uh, I don't know how to respond to that. And then they go out and outfly me every freaking time. I'm just like, oh, oh, I'm 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 not that great of a pilot. Oh wait, no, they're just <laughs> that bad ass of pilots. Like, and I will admit this: since the time I was 14 years old and I started flying, every pilot who has outflown me, and there are pe- there are dudes who hate this. They're like. Don't admit that, man. Don't admit that. No, every pilot who is out for me has a vagina. <laughs> Hell yeah, Will. Do it, Hell Will. Yeah. This is why I love Will. Look at him. Yeah. yeah. What, do, what, do, what do lady pilots drive? They don't drive Jeeps. They don't drive Jeeps. <laughs> they don't care. No. They just fly airplanes. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And everybody's like probably wanting like the Jeep thing. It's like It's like a stereotype that like, you know, fighter pilots fly jeeps it's just like a weird i don't know where that came from but you know i had a friend who was a helicopter pilot and he would always make that joke so you were in the air force right or you're in the air force so what is your okay so i have to ask this question all right whenever the air like whenever the different uh branches of the military get around each other they all like raz each other oh yeah what is your favorite raz that people have for the air force (laughs) because i have my favorite one uh, you can probably call me the chair for no, sir. Nope, for, nope, nope. Uh, the fact that I like to stay in five star hotels, nope, nope. You want to hear my favorite one? Yes, I do. I really do. <laughs> the Air Force saving the world between the hours of 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. every day. Oh, no, totally. <laughs> totally. It, is. it is, it's a gentleman's sport, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, those so, so the most badass woman I ever knew is my aunt Nancy, who was in the Air Force. She's a helicopter mechanic, but she actually was the first woman to train people at the Air Force Academy, I think, or the training center. I don't know. She has a plaque. Okay. And that woman is so badass. But sometimes even she says that same diss about the Air Force. I, I think everybody in the Air Force talks shit about the Air Force. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yes. I, I had a stupid proud moment actually earlier today. Um, a cadet that I mentored when she was younger, she's a captain now in the Air Force. Her dad posted something. It was like, undisclosed area, overseas, flying combat missions. She's a HH-60 Pavehawk pilot. Um, awesome. I watched, oh, dude, I watched her graduate. I watched her commission from DEP 510 in, at UNM, raise her right hand, become a second lieutenant. Um, and, and I think the amazing thing is I – I've known so many of these people throughout the years who um, went on to either pilot training or became officers and things like that. They're, they're normal people. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. If, if they didn't tell you they were in the military, which I really, unless, unless you have a conversation with me, that's not what defines me. And that never will be what defines me. The, the I, hey, I'm a pilot type of thing that <laughs> doesn't define me. Um, but but the thing that I think is so amazing is the stories that those people have. Because I'd say ninety percent of them are super humble, and ten percent are douchebags. And I should kick ten yes. percent in the crotch, yeah. um, regardless of sex, because it's equal opportunities. Yes, everyone like, has fair. a crotch. Right. Oh, it's gonna hurt. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it all hurts. Crotch kicks are a kick to the bean sucks just Ooh. as much as a kick to the balls. Yeah, but saying ninety percent of them are super humble. They're super amazing. They're people I want to hang out with. They're people I want to party with. They're people I want to drink beer with. I I want to yes. see if we can hit the ten drink minimum or a beyond. Um, I'm pretty close now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but they're they're just so talented, and I um, like it, it's really cool. Like being around. So obviously, I, I, I've been a fan of the show. I love you guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. You watch every week almost. Oh, it's it's kind of ridiculous. I hate you guys. Silly Croatians. Um, I love you, Will. You're the best. But then, like two of you guys are very good friends of mine. Um, and I wanted to get into the blogging, vlogging, and podcast type of thing. Yeah, we tease this like so. You're getting into it. You're starting a podcast. You're starting a uh, vlog on YouTube. Both. So tell tell everyone about that. I mean, so um, I started seeing vlogs from different aviators in very small niches. Okay, they're either backcountry bush pilots who were super talented, um, but the thing I, I from my job from the state, what I saw was. There are amazing pilots here in New Mexico, but most of them uh, actually here's a here's a weird thing. The average pilot age in the state of New Mexico is like 72 years old. I believe that. Yeah. There's what? Over 4,000 of them. Yeah. 4,000 pilots in the state of New Mexico and 72 years old is their average age. Wow. Um oh shit, someone's firing in real hardcore right here. Hey, um, best pilots in the Air Force fly for the Navy. Well, if you like a controlled crash every time you hit a carrier deck, you're right. I'm a bogey son of a bitch. Nice. But when you have 5,000 sailors go out to sea and 2,500 couples come back, we're all good. Oh, snack. Burn. Burn. Good one. His house. Bill's house. Um, No, uh. So, like, there's a small pilot community in New Mexico. There's about 4,000 pilots. 
I've met a lot of them. They're super passionate. But the unfortunate thing I saw was like, nobody's communicating to my, my generation, our right. generation. Or younger. Or younger. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and the thing that really pissed me off, they're like, well, if I write a newsletter, they might read it. I'm like, dude, no, I don't no, read no, shit. No. Dude, I, I want to I listen to what I your conversation I almost fell asleep while you said that. I know, right? <laughs> I, I want to see what you do. I want to talk about what you do. I want your opinions, and I want it in my face. I want and some I want GoPro to cameras on that motherfucker. I want to. Oh see hell it, yeah. yeah! Hell yeah! That's what, right that's, there, right here, brother. Look, I'm pointing at mine. Oh, yeah. Um, and I want that conversation. And, and the thing is, I'm a New Mexican. I'm from here. I'm a Burkenio. Yeah. I love our state. There's so much that is there to offer. Why don't we talk about flying in Albuquerque? Talk about flying in New Mexico? Show flying shit, and and it's it's amazing. Uh, I've had more fun in the last couple of years flying all around the state yeah. uh, than I could ever imagine. So why can't I share that experience? And why can't I have other people come and do that? So our vlog is going to be the adventures that you follow us on, flying to the different airports, flying balloons, and everything. And then, like I said, we have the podcast, which is 88 New Mexico, where we're going to invite, and we've already had interest from incredibly talented people, when we talk about what is flying and aviation in New Mexico, mm -hmm. what is the policies. We have policymakers that already want to weigh in. Mm -hmm. They're amazing. Um, yeah. So podcast.aviatenm.com. Uh, mm -hmm. We have a website coming up that is called aviatenm.com that's going to be where you're going to find everything um if you look up aviatenm or aviate new mexico on youtube you'll find our youtube channel it, it's going to be this all-encompassing thing just to talk about aviation in the state and show it right you gonna show aviation no oh we are oh we are and and my co-host um He's he's probably smarter than me. He's younger than me, and he's probably a better pilot than me. But don't tell him, even though I think he's on right now. Um, Morgan Chando, uh, he's another commercial balloon pilot. He's passionate about it, and that was the other big thing. Is like we're balloon pilots, but we want to expand into all the other things. And if if you throw me out of an airplane skydiving at Skydive New Mexico down in Berlin, and I'm scaring the crap out of myself. It's gonna be fun to watch. That's, so. yeah, I'd watch the YouTube channel. Let me let right. me ask you this, man. As a pilot, what is the scariest fucking thing you've ever flown? <gasps> like you got behind the, the stick of it and you were like, Oh, fuck this. This is awful. It like, wasn't really the airplane, it was the situation. Okay. Uh, uh. So and I'm fifteen. Okay, so we're we're talking like old school. <clears throat> 15 years old, I'm in a glider, I'm towing behind an airplane, and it was not a, a glider that I was used to. It had a taller tail, mm -hmm. and because of it, the prop wash comes off like a corkscrew, corkscrew from the airplane that's towing you, mm -hmm. and we got caught in it. So like, we start twisting just like a corkscrew would. We're only 200 foot off the ground. 
and like my instructor is fighting it i'm i'm fighting it with like full deflection in the controls um we're trying to correct it and the 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 prop wash is actually overpowering everything that the flight controls can do i'm 15 years old and i scream my bird my bird my bird and i pull off toe and we turn back to the airport because we're already almost inverted yes because i was inverted um so we're we're turning back around almost inverted in a wing over the max speed you can do in that aircraft is like 98 miles an hour or you risk ripping the wings off and i'm 96 96 miles an hour in this airplane with no engine and i have on my right side as i turn back and I, i made that 180 turn i have Propellered airplanes on my right. I have glider airplanes on my left, and I go zooming right past them at almost 100 miles an hour, trying not to, like, A, rip the wings off. Rip the wings off. B, I should have been wearing my brown pants that day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, it, it was at an old 17th <laughs> Army Air Corps base in Hobbs, New Mexico, which is the Hobbs Industrial Air Park. Sorry. Finally landed the aircraft came to a a halt i open up the canopy he's like you're good to go you can fly all by yourself i'm like cool i really gotta go find a bush because i gotta piss myself right now because that was freaky as shit um so yeah that that was like 15 years old and they're Mm -hmm. like you're good to go and i'm like holy crap so i have a brother-in-law who's flown his whole life he's a Mm -hmm. pilot now he uh um crop duster and then fertilized trees in Mississippi and right. fought fires. Um, and the scariest thing he did was he switched from planes to helicopters. That's legit. Oh. And he said helicopters were a whole nother level and scary as shit. That's because they reject the ground with their racket noise they make. Yeah. Yeah. I live very close to a helicopter pad mm. and I hear that all the time. So, uh, my, my old uh, weird story, my dad was in the air national guard in New York and, um, he wanted to become a pilot and somebody said, well, you don't have to have a college degree to become a pilot in the army. What, what (laughs) you don't, you don't, you don't have to have a college degree to become a pilot in the army. You, You can be a warrant officer and get accepted into it. So my dad transferred from the air national guard in New York to the Army National Guard and then went to Fort Rucker and became a helicopter pilot. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my my dad started flying when he was 16 years old. I was trying to think of, like, what the Army flew that wasn't, uh, that was a plane. It was like... <laughs> helicopters. Yeah, helicopters. Well, and then, and then they have the planes that, like, uh, transport troops, probably, yeah. Uh, no, no, that's the Air Force's job. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Never mind. When, we, when the Army and the Air Force broke, when the Air Force broke away, it's the job of the Air Force to fly... Fixed wing airplanes for the most part. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Interesting. So who who was your like role model growing up, oh, pilot shit. wise? Pilot wise. Uh, so I have to tell. I have to say my dad first and foremost because okay. that's what I grew up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I drop a lot of names, and and I think the travesty on it is so many people don't know these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Everybody's heard of Chuck Yeager. I was gonna say Chuck Yeager, man. He was yeah, Chuck Yeager was the was man. Cool. But Bob Hoover, 
if you've never heard of Bob Hoover, Bob Hoover was the pilot's pilot. Chuck Yeager looked up to Bob Hoover. Wow, that's a big and, that's a big thing to say. No, that, that's a huge thing. They they were test pilots together. Yeah. Um, they were amazing pilots. Bob Hoover, Ira C. Eaker, um, or little um, Lieutenant General Ira Eaker, uh, Curtis LeMay, who was like a bulldog. He was a he was a jerk, yeah. but he was amazing. No, I, there, there's so much talent, and, and obviously you got if because I got in, involved with military aviation at a young age. Billy Mitchell is probably the predominant badass because he said, "You know what? Fuck you! I believe in something that is bigger than myself, and I will get in trouble for it, and I will get court-martialed for it, and I support it so much that I'm going to talk." about how important it is and if you get me in trouble i don't care because my convictions are so important and flying aviation is so important to me that say what you will he got court-martialed for stealing an airplane and sinking a german battleship after world war one to prove that air power was important and then afterwards they realized how important air power was and they reversed the court-martial and promoted him well i mean well chuck yeager did almost kind of the same well Kind of, he stole a plane, and he, you know, he, he got the altitude record. They're, they're all renegades. Yeah, they're all renegades because they wanted to push the limit. And I think that's a human yeah. thing. That's not a pilot thing. I think that's a yeah. human thing. You want to be better. Yeah. Well, Chuck Yeager, they wouldn't let him be an astronaut because no, because he didn't have a degree. He didn't have a college degree. Yeah, he was the best pilot that they had, and so he didn't not he did not get accepted to the uh, the space program. So yep. then what he did was is he flew a plane. An F-104. All the way up into space. <laughs> you know, as far as he could yeah, go. Amazing. And then I think the SR-71 finally broke it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing airplanes. So, yeah. So, awesome, man. I mean, I don't, you know, I feel like we have so many more things we could talk about. But <laughs> but, but here's, here's the invite I want to do. Aviate right. New Mexico. When we throw our barbecue and we throw our fly in, when everybody comes in to Albuquerque yeah. at Double Eagle, uh, I want to invite 10 drink minimum there. to come out there Done. And, and to have a barbecue and drink beers with us and have a good time and Ooh. see the airplanes. We, we, don't, need to we don't drink anymore. No one here. Yeah. We stopped. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I gave it up for Lent. I'm there, man. I'm there. Right. Do I have to get into an airplane? There. Do I have to get into an airplane? You don't have to. You just have to enjoy the company of good people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what this oh, means. Oh, Kerr Fletcher. Hello. I have no idea what any of that means. Uh, Pee Wee Herman's dad was a pilot and <laughs> he went to UNM. Oh, so, oh, okay. Paul Rubin's dad? On the show? <laughs> I think he means by the real, the real guy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> So, well, if I want to get in an airplane at that barbecue, can I? I think it could be arranged. Yeah. Yes. Sweet. There we go. I have to warn the pilots, obviously, no drinking before you fly, obviously. <laughs> after, after the flight, then we barbecue. What and we kind have- of program are you running over there? <laughs> one. It's oh, weird. I guess so. I guess. Just remember, work hard, play hard. I like that. So, like, I was looking at that uh, website earlier for the uh, Balloon Fiesta Park uh, movie theater, and they're like, no alcohol. And I was like, 
<laughs> sure. <laughs> good oh, luck okay. On, good luck on that. Uh, <laughs> fun time. I'll just keep my uh, water bottle with me. You need to stay hydrated, my friend. Right, you right, do. Right. <laughs> well, I want to thank uh, Will Fitzpatrick for coming on the show. Uh, definitely check out Aviate New Mexico, the, the 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 podcast and the vlog. Thank you. I look forward to it. You guys have to do a lot of aerial shit, man. Yeah. I will ton. watch the shit out of that. Yeah. And I'm already editing video from a flight earlier today. I showed you yeah, some pictures. Man. It's going to be a lot of fun. But you got to, you know, but you got to narrate all that. You got to be like, well, we flew today and this is this, you know, because that, that's what I do. There you go. See, got the microphone. Mm-hmm. Everything. See, I know how to do that. Thank you for being a professional. Yeah. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. I mean, does anybody have anything they want to add to or promote or, you know? Uh, I have a couple of things. Uh, first of all, Will, I am so proud of you. Thank you. Uh, you know I love you so much. And uh, your passion for aviation, even just sitting at my bar, was amazing. And uh, I'm so proud and can't wait to listen to your podcast and see where you go. Um, speaking of podcasts, I'm going to be on Kurt Fletcher's podcast this week. Uh, it debuts on Tuesday. It's called The Rye. Uh, oh, Chris. That's the Kurt on. Fletcher. You're the enemy now. I'm just kidding. Uh, just kidding. Just it's kidding. called It's called In The Rye uh, podcast, and it comes out on Tuesday, and I am his first guest for some stupid reason. I uh, guess he loves me. Uh, but check that out, yeah. and uh, that's all I have to promote. Sweet. Ray, what you got? Uh, you know, just uh, my normal stuff. Find me on social media under Ray Basuda. Um, you can also follow, follow my art under uh, Basuda Paint. But uh, also, uh, you know, Will, I, I really enjoyed having you on here. Anytime somebody is passionate about what they do, yeah. it makes things really easy to talk to them about. I have at least a dozen more things that I didn't get a chance to talk to you about <laughs> on here. But, um, you know, it just really was a pleasure to have you on. And I'm glad that we got a chance to meet. Sad that it wasn't in person, and also sad you didn't get to taste the forbidden malort. But uh, and we'll have Will back. I mean, we'll have yeah, we'll back. hopefully have opportunities. Uh, you know, in twenty twenty five when uh, things are open again. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> Ray. We we gotta have a conversation about that art because it's amazing. And oh, thank you. I need some hanging back here. So <laughs> same, yeah, agree. James, what do you got? What do you got? Um, same thing from last hour. Uh, if you want to check me out on uh, second season of Midnight Texas, stream it on Hulu or NBC or on Daybreak on uh, Netflix. Yeah, cool, man. Um, so we we have our show on lots of platforms here, and uh, I check through those platforms from time to time. And uh, you know, we got a review, and I, I didn't know if I was going to talk about this or not. We got a review on Stitcher. And it was pretty fucking rough. And when I say rough, they pretty much attacked me personally. And uh, I'm totally fine with that. Um, I feel like the reviewer really attacked me because they probably don't like me personally. And it has something to do with a personal thing. And it doesn't have to do with the rest of this show. And I don't agree with what they said. I showed it to Holly. She didn't agree with what they said. I showed it to a couple other people. They didn't agree with what she said. So... It's fine. So if you if you want if you listen to our show on Stitcher, uh, which I don't think a lot of people do, go and review it. 
and if you agree with what the other person said, that's fine. Um, but man, and I usually don't talk about reviews, but this was like a real personal attack on me. Um, you know, words like I think we can all agree that Chris is amazing, and we all love him. Uh, you know, and that oh, not put words in my mouth. What's that? <laughs> What's that? I said, you don't put words in my mouth. You don't right. know how I feel about Chris. It was probably Ray. Ray wrote the yeah. review. It was probably Ray. No, it's it, apparent it, it was now. It was Ray. <laughs> you know, and, and there's times where, like, you know, we do this show and, like, things like, you know, you get down. Because, you know, I don't. there's no money involved in this. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really be frank right here. You know, Will's going to start his podcast and he's going to start his vlog. And Will's going to spend a lot of money to get this going and get, he already has and it costs a good amount of money to do this and and this is this is me being frank to podcasters out there vloggers out there um it's a hobby and you're going to spend a lot of money doing it and you're not going to be famous and if you do you're like it's like the lottery it's 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 the lottery it's like it's like being an actor it's being like a comedian again um and there's a lot of days where you have like, you know, rough ones and you don't you don't know if you want to do it anymore. And then like you see something or someone tells you something and it gives you an uplifting uh, feeling. Well, the other day I, I read a review and somebody calls me a narcissist and says that uh, our show is trash and uh, doesn't represent Albuquerque. And, you know, it, it, you know, because they attacked me personally, I was kind of like, well, all right. And here's here's the deal, though. I've been doing this for 14 years. Uh, come two days from now, July four. Th- this is our anniversary show. This is the fourteen-year anniversary show. Your fucking shit review on Stitcher ain't gonna stop me today. It ain't gonna stop me tomorrow, and it ain't gonna stop me in five years. If you think I'm a narcissist, that's fine. If you think that I dominate everything, that's fine. Host your own podcast, and I'll review it and tell you how shitty the fuck you are. Because this isn't easy. This is my craft, and I've put a lot of money into it, and I love it. And you ain't going to stop me today. You ain't going to stop me tomorrow. And you ain't going to stop me the next. Jenna Bear. <laughs> well, and Chris, I That's think I'm speaking name. for everyone yeah. except for Ray when I say <laughs> we love you so much. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, go give our show a, a review on, like, iTunes or whatever if you like it. Or if you don't, do the same. I mean, I don't want people to watch our show that may not like it. And, you know, I don't know who that is. I don't know. Who, like, I always love when people go, how do you, uh, what's your show about? And I go, uh, stuff and things. I don't know. I don't know the, you know, <laughs> I don't know the, the good answer to that. A beer and lifestyle show about it Albuquerque. Depends on the show. Huh? Yeah. It depends on the yeah. show. But, yeah. you know, cool, man. I, I hope everyone has a great week. Um, I'm gonna let every know everybody know like what my results are because you know, I, I I was like you know, okay I'll go do this, just just to find out and if I do find out you know we'll see what happens from there. So yeah, right. yeah James has it right. If that's fuck yeah fuck that. But uh, stay safe everybody. You know, um, wear a mask. Be 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 respectful. That that's all. That that's is that's the one thing. Like if we were all just respectful of each other, we would f- be through this. And right. if you yeah. don't think that's true, look at Japan. <laughs> so yes. that's all they did is they're just respectful to each other and fixed it. So yeah. 
Thank you, Will. I wish your show well. I'm going to listen to it. I'm excited. Uh, everybody, thank you for being on. Everybody, thank you for listening. Um, with that, we are. We are 10, 10 drink, drink minimum. minimum. <laughs>